It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah, You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Manhunt. Citizen detectives searching for the insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol. He's the son of a judge. Are you liberty or give me death? This knucklehead wore his work ID. Then, God bless America. Air MAGA. Trump supporters causing chaos as they make their way to and from D.C. This is supposed to be the United States of America. And turning on Trump. The political protest got out of hand after the president recklessly encouraged it. He uh, inspired and incited that mob to storm the Capitol. When the moment called for leadership, he did not do the right thing. And the ring of steel. Can it keep the mob from disrupting Joe Biden's inauguration? Absolutely everything is on the table to secure this event. Plus, will the storming of the Capitol turn into a COVID-19 super spreader event? Right in your face, no masks. You put yourself into that kind of crowd. Now all those strains are going all over the country. And any regrets? The woman who falsely accused a black teen of swiping her iPhone. Cops say she resisted arrest and they had to forcibly remove her from her car. And her off-the-wall first interview. All right, y'all. Enough. 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 Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. President Trump was allowed back on Twitter this morning, and among his first tweets, the news that he will not be attending the inauguration of Joe Biden as his successor. The last time that happened was in 1869 when Andrew Johnson, himself also an impeached one-term president, skipped the inauguration of Ulysses S. Grant. As Anne Mercagliano reports, Trump's announcement comes as some of his staunchest supporters have said, They're done with him. President Trump finds himself increasingly isolated today and abandoned. More than a dozen Trump officials have resigned. And maybe the hardest blow of all, Hope Hicks, who is like a daughter to him. Hope Hicks now considering resigning, that because of her unhappiness with the president's conduct this week inciting that Capitol insurrection. We spoke to CBS News political correspondent Ed O'Keefe. A lot of people around the president are thinking about their futures and realize that being associated with what went on this week could be really bad for their futures. The Washington Post reports White House aides are privately calling Trump a total monster and mad King George. And Fox News's Geraldo Rivera, a buddy of the president's, is blasting Trump's half-hearted concession speech last night as too little, too late. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. That speech the president made last night, I wish he had made it Tuesday night before he uh, inspired and incited that mob to storm the Capitol. And 
Another shocker. Conservative TV personality Tucker Carlson is also turning on Trump. What happened yesterday, they're telling us, wasn't simply that a political protest got out of hand after the president recklessly encouraged it. That is, in fact, what happened. Now the president is flat out snubbing Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th. I will not be going, he tweeted today. The world has always expected a peaceful transfer of power from the United States, and they're not getting one. And his decision to not be there in his final minutes as president is, is something that's going to be remembered not only by Americans, but by the world. Last night, Trump condemned the Capitol rioters. But according to one report, he only did so after his White House counsel warned him he could face criminal charges if he didn't. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Today, D.C. prosecutors say they're investigating the president for inciting a riot. Don Jr. and Rudy Giuliani face legal jeopardy, too. We're coming for you, and we're going to have a good time doing it. Let's have trial by combat. We're going to investigate not only those mobsters, but also those who incited the violence. Late this afternoon, the Department of Justice said when it comes to criminal charges with respect to inciting the riot, it is unlikely that President Trump will face any such action. In other news today, Thursday marked the deadliest day yet of the coronavirus pandemic with the deaths of more than 4,000 people. Not only was the grim milestone overshadowed by the violence in Washington, there are now concerns that one of the darkest days in American history may also become a massive super spreader event. Les Trent has more. Will the storming of the Capitol turn into a COVID-19 super spreader event? That's the concern today in the wake of those in-your-face confrontations inside the hallowed halls of Congress. Infectious disease experts watched in dismay as hundreds of maskless rioters shouted and spewed indoors with no real ventilation. Conditions ideal for spreading the virus. They were super spreaders. It definitely has all the elements that we are concerned about when we think of spread of coronavirus. I think it'll turn into a super spreader event. Like other members of Congress, Debbie Dingell of Michigan of is concerned that she and her colleagues and law enforcement personnel could have gotten infected as they sheltered from the violence. The chances of the latest mutation of the uh, COVID virus that is quick, more quickly transferable, the chances of that having been there among that crowd are very high. Another concern, now that the riders are heading back home, is there a risk that they will spread the virus to points across the USA? We always worry when people gather together uh, and Pre provide the opportunity for this virus to spread, then go home, that we'll not, that we'll see um, seeded outbreaks in places uh, wherever people go back. The super spreader fears come as deaths due to COVID-19 hit a record, over 4,000 in just one day. Wow. There is some promising news to report. The Pfizer-manufactured COVID vaccine does appear to be effective against this new, more infectious strain of the virus, which, by the way, has now been found in at least eight states in this country. The latest unfounded assertion from President Trump's supporters regarding Wednesday that the people who ransacked the seat of American democracy were not fans of the president, but in fact, they say part of Antifa, a protest movement opposed to right-wing, ex extreme right-wing ideology. But... They don't have any evidence to back up that claim. 
It's yet another baseless conspiracy theory crisscrossing America today. They were not Trump supporters. They were Antifa. What we're getting word out today is that it was Antifa. I think a lot of it is the Antifa folks. Republican Congressman Matt Gates made the unfounded claims on the House floor. Some pretty compelling evidence from a facial recognition company showing that some of the people who breached the Capitol today were not Trump supporters. They were masquerading as Trump supporters and, in fact, were members of the violent terrorist group Antifa. He was referring to this article by the conservative newspaper The Washington Times. Facial recognition firm claims Antifa infiltrated protesters who stormed the Capitol. However, the facial recognition company, XR Vision, says the suspects they identified were not Antifa, but actually two members of neo-Nazi organizations and a QAnon supporter. The Washington Times article was retracted. There doesn't seem to be too much question that the leaders of the riot were far-right or QAnon conspiracy followers, like the guy who wore a horned helmet and the man who put his feet up on a desk in Nancy Pelosi's office. And the FBI also says they have no evidence that Antifa was involved with the siege. The riotous crowd that descended on the Capitol also posed some problems for the airline industry. Some Trump travelers were so unruly that one airline, American Airlines, actually banned alcohol on flights to and from the nation's capital to try to keep the peace. You've never seen a flight like this. It happened on planes flying into the nation's capital, filled with boisterous supporters of President Trump on their way to the rally. And they were just as loud when they flew back home. On this flight, a passenger projected a Trump 2020 banner on the ceiling. On another flight, this guy thought it was cool to use a bullhorn. Here, a passenger is getting kicked off because of a disagreement about mask wearing. Lady, I was making a joke with you. This is America. This is supposed to be the United States of America. Flight attendants have had it. Union President Sarah Nelson. This is not something that is normal in commercial aviation. Uh, and it was just brimming on uh, the verge of violence. And that's incredibly concerning. It was incredibly destabilizing and uh, very scary. American Airlines temporarily banned alcohol on flights to the Capitol yesterday. These ladies say they were booted from their flight home to Chicago last night at Reagan National Airport. You just got kicked off your flight? Vicki and Shannon said they launched into song along with many others on board, but that's all. Back in the terminal, angry passengers continued singing. Vicki and Shannon were not allowed to get back on board. So you won't be traveling on this flight this evening? Why? So you were identified as not following crew member instructions? They won't let me fly. They said because I'm not, I didn't follow instructions. They say the airline banned them from the next flight out. So they rented a car and started an 11-hour drive back home. I want to be very clear that failing to comply with crew member instructions is a federal offense. Oh, the we wash. And 
ban on the subject of offenses. If it were a wanted poster, it would be one of the biggest in history. The Washington, D.C. Police Department has 26 pages of photos of suspects wanted in connection with the insurrection at the Capitol. Thanks to all those selfies and social media posts from the incursion, authorities know exactly who they're looking for, and people are being urged to turn themselves in. All of this as new video has emerged that shows just how outmanned the Capitol Police really were. Here's Stephen Fabian. Stunning new video of the moment the Capitol came under siege. Rioters used a pipe as a battering ram to smash through windows. In the doorway, Capitol Police come under a barrage of projectiles and fight back with mace. Inside, a cop cries out in agony as he is crushed while he and other brave officers try in vain to hold back the mob. More suspects are being tracked down today, with D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine telling them, turn yourself in. I got a call from a lawyer in town who indicated that he was representing a client who was in California, who was at the Capitol, and now wants to turn herself in. These calls will continue. 35-year-old Josiah Colt of Boise, Idaho, seen hanging from the Senate balcony, says he has hired an attorney. I didn't hurt anybody, and I just love America. I love, I love Trump. I love what he stands for. Citizen sleuths across America are also identifying suspects. We're all going to be up here. We're going to be breaking those windows. We're going to be having to deal with the tear bombs. This woman was identified on social media as Jenna Ryan, a Texas real estate broker and radio show host. She flew to Washington by private jet. This man, identified as Brian Miller, works with her. We're in the swamp, man. In the swamp. It is like thick She denies any wrongdoing. Cameras were rolling as this Trump supporter was confronted by an angry vet when he returned to Atlanta. Oh, bunch of terrorists. No, we're not. Got something to say? We're huh? not terrorists. I'm a Tony Gil Marine. 99.9%. This knucklehead wearing furs and holding a police riot shield turns out to be Aaron Mostovsky, the son of a New York Supreme Court judge. This election was stolen. Um, we were cheated. The man posing beneath the sign above Nancy Pelosi's office is a firefighter from Florida, Andy Williams. Meanwhile, Brian Sicknick, the Capitol Hill cop beaten to death with a fire extinguisher during the Capitol siege, is being mourned by his brothers in blue. And we'll be back right after this. Next. I do sincerely from the bottom of my heart apologize. The woman who falsely accused a black teen of swiping her iPhone. Her off-the-wall first interview. All right, yeah. Enough. 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 Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. The young woman who falsely accused a teenager of stealing her cell phone in a hotel lobby is now under arrest. Mia Ponsetto was arrested by New York police in California yesterday afternoon. But just hours earlier, she did an interview with Gail King in which she called herself super sweet. Jim Murray has more. I consider myself to be super sweet. I really never, ever meant for it to, like, hurt him. You just described yourself as super sweet. When you look at the video, the reaction seems very extreme. It doesn't seem like it's someone who's super sweet. The young woman who falsely accused a black teenager of stealing her iPhone spars with CBS This Morning's Gail King. 
you seem to have attacked this teenager about the phone, and then it turned out he didn't even have your phone. I get it. Mia Ponsetto set off a national uproar for tackling a teen after falsely claiming he stole her cell phone in the lobby of a hotel in Manhattan's trendy Soho neighborhood. Are you kidding me? You feel like there's only one iPhone made in the world? Now, just hours after Gail King's contentious interview, Ponsetto was placed under arrest, and it was reportedly quite a wild scene. The arrest happened here at her home in Ventura County, California. Cops say Ponsetto refused to pull over until she reached her driveway in her black Range Rover. They say she resisted arrest and they had to forcibly remove her. Neighbors tell me she was kicking and screaming. This is video of the 22-year-old running errands a day before her arrest. Have you spoken to the police yet? Do you plan on speaking to the police? Are you going to cooperate? I am terrified for my niece. Today, Eric Ponsetto defended his niece. Mia is not a racist. We are of race. No one in my family is racist. She does have some mental issues. What do you think when you look at that video? I do sincerely from the bottom of my heart apologize that if I made the son feel as if I assaulted him or if I hurt his feelings. No, I'm not letting him walk away with my phone! Ms. Ponsetta was being held without bail while she awaits extradition to New York. When we come back, the first woman abducted by the notorious dating game serial killer speaks out. He's the serial killer who went on TV's The Dating Game right in the middle of his killing spree. Now 2020 has spoken with his first victim, who was only eight years old when she managed to escape. Rodney Alcala crisscrossed the nation in the 1960s and 70s using his good looks and charm to lure his victims. He was even brazen enough to appear on the 1978 episode of The Dating Game as Bachelor Number One. Bachelor Number One is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Rod, welcome. Guess what? He won. Fortunately, the bachelorette's sixth sense made her wary, and the date never happened. Ellen Metzger was the contestant coordinator on the dating game. She said, Ellen, I can't, um, I can't go out with this guy. He's, there's weird vibes that are coming off of him. He's, he's very strange. I'm not comfortable. Is that going to be a problem? And of course, I said no. Friday's 2020 on ABC probes Alcala's reign of terror and how he was able to get away with it for so long. I think it'll be a really chilling look at a period in our history where someone like Rodney Alcala was essentially allowed to roam free throughout the country using aliases, eluding prosecution. His first victim was an eight-year-old girl named Tali Shapiro, who he lured into his car while she was walking to school. A good Samaritan saw the incident and called police. She's alive today to tell her story. I really didn't want to get in the car, um, but I was raised to respect my elder. I didn't know to fear people. Alcala was found guilty of seven murders, but investigators believe he may have killed over 100 more with photos found on his property. It's eerie to see how long he was able to do what it was that he did. The Dating Game Killer will air tonight on ABC's 2020. And when we come back, light at the end of a dark tunnel. Finally today, they have been separated from their families for a year, and some four-legged friends are brightening their day. 
Oh, that's a wonderful kiss. With seniors in nursing homes across the country missing human contact, they're finding comfort with these furry visitors. Good 85-year-old Harriet Krakowski hasn't seen her family in nearly a year due to COVID restrictions at the Hebrew home in the Bronx, New York. She even became a great-grandmother twice during the pandemic. I love the home. It's been a challenge for all of us. Since she can't hold those babies just yet, she says the pups are the next best thing. They're just loving animals. They're the pets of the nursing home staffers. I'm so happy. Activity director Catherine Farrell says her pooch Marley is a natural comfort animal. Marley knows how much joy he brings to the residents, and so on the mornings that I don't get to bring him, he gets very sad. So until life returns to normal, these dogs are here to do what dogs do best, offer unconditional love. I see a tunnel that's with a light at the end. Thank you. And it just happens that that light at the end of the tunnel's got four legs and a waggy tail. That is Inside Edition for today. I'm Deborah Norville. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Inside Edition ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.